0: This morning we'll be in Luke chapter 15, 1 through 7. Luke chapter 15, 1 through 7. Now there's actually three stories that are paired up here. Uh, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost sons. I would encourage you to read uh, the lost coin and the lost sons uh, later this week as some devotional to help you out. Uh, but we just want to focus on one specific story today. Did you ever lose anything? Like, I'm one of those guys who, unfortunately, like, I lose stuff. Any, any people who lose stuff in here, just admit it, okay? Any people in here who never lose stuff? You're like, I'm organized, I don't lose much. Okay? We we love you a little less. But, um... <laughs> so, so, a couple months ago, uh, Lori... Uh, lost her keys. And we had this sort of frantic moment, this frantic morning. And, and I lose my keys from time to time. She loses her keys from time to time. We do have this key ring up front that we usually use, but sometimes you know how it is. You don't put it in the proper spot. You put it in your drop spot. Do you know, do you have drop spots where you just drop stuff and then it disappears? Right. And so Lori had put her keys in a drop spot. And we could not find them, could not find them, could not find them. It was kind of a catastrophe for the morning. And I thought to myself, we've got, we gotta fix this. Like, this is no good, we gotta fix this. So I did what any anybody would do. I went on Amazon Prime, right, to fix my problem. And I was like, Amazon, Alexa, help me. Okay? We lose our keys a lot, so what are we going to do? And there's this genius little invention called the tile. Have you seen this thing? It's the tile fob. And if you don't have it, and you're one of those people that raise your hand, you lose a lot of stuff, go get it, Amazon. Awesome. There's these little teeny tiles, and you can put them on your keys, or you can, they have thin ones that you can put in your wallet, right? And you can attach them to things, and then, with your phone, you you Can pull out your phone, pull up the app, and just hit the find it button, and it goes doop, it just starts playing this song, and you're like, There are my keys, right? And then if you lose your phone, you can find the keys and push a little button on the keys, and it makes your phone go-doop. Go this would save marriages, right? Okay, this is a genius invention. If you lose both your keys and your phone, well then you're in trouble. But uh, the tile fob has been amazing for us because we tend to, we tend to lose some things from time to time. Um, I want you to think about a time you lost something. Maybe it was your wallet. Have you ever lost your wallet? And you're like, whoa, I, where am I, what am I going to do? Find my wallet. Maybe you've lost your keys, your purse. Or you left your purse at a restaurant and you were like, did I leave it at the restaurant? Or did I leave it at the store? And you were kind of frantically searching because everything you owned was in that purse, right? Um, Maybe you lost your phone and you were like, I cannot exist without my phone. Maybe you lost a really big check that you needed to cash or deposit and you're like, man, I, where did I put that check? Maybe you uh, were going to another country and you couldn't find your passport or um, I do this all the time. Maybe you do this. When I get my ticket, I don't know what it is, but my mind just like, I throw it out the window. I get through security and then I'm like, where would I put my ticket? Where did I put my ticket? Did I put it in that book or did I put it in my man purse? Or like, where did it go? Where did it go? And I check over and over and over and over again, frantically searching for my ticket just to make sure I'm going to get to where I want to go. Uh, Maybe it's been a bigger deal for you. Um, Parents in the room, you don't, don't raise your hand for this. Okay. Um, But maybe you've been in target or Costco on a Saturday and your three-year-old decides I'm going to go play hide and seek today in target. And suddenly you look around and your child is not there. And there's this moment of sheer terror. Where is my child? I've lost my child. So whatever it is today, um, that helps set up the story for today for us. All of us at some point or another have lost something. And the story's big idea this morning is your first point in your outline. It says this. It, It is that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And we tap into the feeling that Jesus himself has when we lose something of incredible value. We get a tiny insight into the heart of Jesus when we obsessively search to find something that is lost. And so this beautiful little story, Luke chapter 15, 1 through Seven. Now the tax collectors and sinners. I love that they just like lump them into two categories. The tax collectors, which must have been really bad because they got a separate category from the sinners, okay? The tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered together around to hear Jesus. So they're hanging out with Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And Jesus then turns and tells them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So Jesus has this little interaction, this setup for this story. He's teaching, he's gaining a crowd, and some of this crowd are sinners and tax collectors, and some of them are religious figures in the community. And the religious. Uh, figures in the community are watching Jesus and seeing what he's doing. And one of them says to the other one, hey, did you see Jesus at Milky's on Saturday? He was hanging out with those people. And it's almost as if Jesus can read their mind. He knows what they're thinking. And so he says, I'm going to tell you a story. And I'm going to explain to you why I hang out with those sinners and those tax collectors. And so we get this beautiful little story. The first member of the cast is the owner of the sheep who is Jesus or the shepherd. This is something that's made clear throughout scripture. There's this very clear picture that God shepherds his people, that he cares for his people, that he provides for his people. You know, Psalm 23 It's the psalm of the shepherd. It's all about God wooing and loving and protecting and caring for his sheep as the good shepherd. Jesus later in the book of John, John chapter 10, he says this, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know me. They know my voice. Right? And so throughout scripture we get this picture of the owner of the sheep, this man Jesus, that, that God loves his sheep, he cares for his sheep, he is a tender shepherd who corrects and yes, disciplines and guides and nurtures and cares for the well-being of his sheep. And so we're introduced to the parable, the story, saying that there is a shepherd there is one who looks out at his flock and he starts counting his flock and he goes hey there's george and there's betty and there's jane and there's john and where did billy go right And, and, and and he starts counting his 100 sheep But before he gets to number 100, he notices that there are 99. And those are the next characters that are introduced to us. The 99 sheep. And we need to unpack who the 99 sheep are before we jump ahead to the one lost sheep that we want to jump ahead to. Because I think there's a little gem for us to find in here. So we are introduced to the owner of the sheep, Jesus. And we're introduced to the 99 sheep. And the 99 sheep are these. These are those of us who have been found. Or in this story, those who have already been found. And by 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 large, um, uh, by and large, many of us uh, at some point have been the sheep that ran away. But there's a good chance that if you're here in church listening to a sermon, singing songs about Jesus this morning, that you're one of the found this morning. So congratulations, you're probably right one of the ninety nine. That we have at some point been brought into jesus flock, that we have been cared for, protected, guided, leaded, and that he tends us each day when we read psalm twenty three we read it as if the shepherd is speaking to us, because we're part of the 99. And so we should rejoice, just as heaven rejoiced when we were found. We are part of the 99, the found sheep. But I wanna, I wanna catch one, I I wanna look at one little word of warning built into this story. See, Jesus is willing to leave the 99 for one lost sheep And those of us who have already been found should understand, the 99 of us should understand that this is the heartbeat of Jesus. And here's the reason I say this. The religious leaders that Jesus was talking to had probably lumped themselves into the category of the 99, right? They had probably said, I'm a good, let's say, a church person. I'm a good church person. And so they would see themselves in the 99 category. Um, And see, church people are just, oh man, I hope, you know, uh, let's talk about church people. Like, see, sometimes Jesus' sheep get selfish. And they forget that Jesus' primary desire is to find lost sheep, not to make the found sheep fat and happy. Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes church people forget that Sometimes found sheep begin to, to think that Jesus shouldn't care about those sinners Those lost people And that instead he should focus on them And their needs And I see this happening all over Western Christianity right now um, And I think it's an epidemic I'm going to be honest with you um, I think we have churches filled I'll say it this way We have dying churches filled with church people who like other church people that think churches is for church people, who act like church people, talk like church people, use church people words and tend to be exclusive. I sat with a pastor's group in Bozeman and and it was kind of sad. It was kind of hard to be with them because we talked about uh, not the, the the growth of their churches and the growth of their denomination, but we talked about the decline of their denomination. And one of the pastors in there was really adamant about the fact that adamant about the fact that. Churches are dying and he's watching churches die instead of plant new churches and, and bring new life and seeing lost people be found Instead churches are dying and and we started talking about maybe why that happened And there was this there was this one moment where one of the pastors said well, my church is not very welcoming It's just not very welcoming And here was what really freaked me out. He didn't say it like it was that bad of an issue He said it like uh, we're not we're, we could work on being more welcoming he, he was like, well, our theology is great. We have good missions programs. We're, you know, we're doing, we're doing good stuff on Sunday, but we're not very welcoming. But yeah, does that really matter? And I, and I kind of wanted to like yell at him like, yes, that matters. Jesus would leave the 99 for the one and churches are dying left and right because church people think church is about them. They think the kingdom of God is just about them and, and fortunately I'm not preaching to the choir here this morning, right? Um, I, I don't actually think we have a lot of church people here And thank God for that Because I would not survive as your pastor, okay? Um, but this is something that is happening And this is something that I just want to warn us about Because even for those of us who don't consider ourselves church people There are moments when you're going to go I didn't like the music today Too bad Too bad Uh, That sermon just didn't hit me today Well, maybe it wasn't for you today Um, You you know, like uh, It's just, I don't know I just don't like the people there They seem kind of hypocritical Well, yeah, because they are, right? Um, And I think there's this, this little warning in here That Jesus wants to tell us That consider ourselves found That he will drop everything For the 99 He will drop everything in terms of the 99 For the One, And we need to understand the heartbeat of Jesus. This is why we are the way we are here at Big Sky Christian Fellowship. And we're going to continue to be like, I think about this long and hard. Like I'm very particular with how I deal about this. You can talk to my staff. I just do not like Christian words. I don't like making assumptions about things here at church. I want to assume that people are questioning and don't know and they're all along the spectrum of belief and that we're we're not um, asking people to behave in a certain way before they can belong to us, but that they can belong to us first. And then along the way, they're going to learn how to behave. And I just want to remind us that the loving the lost is a messy process. If we're going to actually do as the 99, if we're going to do what Jesus wants us to do, it's going to be really messy. You're going to have to deal with people that you don't like. And we're going to have to probably go to places you don't want to go. And you're going to probably have to do things you don't want to do. And that's okay because it's not about you. It is not about you. Um, Jesus will leave the 99 for the one. And the one is this, the one sheep is those who are lost. And I want to kind of just put two types of people who are lost out there for us to just kind of think about at the moment. One, in the story, it's the sinners and the tax collectors. These are the obvious ones, right? I, once again, I said, it you must have been really bad to be a tax collector because you didn't get lumped into sinners. You got your own category of like bad, right? The tax collectors worked for the Roman government. They were considered the outcasts of society. They had turned on their people, right? They were using and abusing their people for the Roman government. So they were the most hated of all. Think of the people that you dislike the most in this community. And those are probably tax collectors. And then think of all the other people that kind of annoy you and are just not following what Jesus would have for their life. And, and they're living very worldly. And 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 they're just, it's all about them. It's all about what they can get right now here. They don't care about um, things that are eternal. They don't care. They don't want to hear about Jesus from you. These would be lumped into this thing called sinners. And the sinners and the tax collectors are the obvious ones. They're the ones who who grew up in the church and then decided one day, this whole Jesus thing isn't for me. Um, they're the dirt bags, right? They're the dirt bags of our community who are all starting to move in. And like I saw like a van of them come into the Conoco and I'm like, oh, here they come. Oh. Like a puff of smoke coming out the van door. And, you know, like it was the whole deal, right? And I'm like, oh, Jesus, Uh, Jesus leaves the 99 for the one. Okay, oh, there's six of them in that car, though, Jesus. And beyond that, we live in a post-Christian culture. Um, I've been really keeping my ear to this, but um, the Barna Study Group, they do a lot of uh, data analysis of what's going on in the church world and the culture around us. And what they have said is, uh, we live in now, in the Western world, a post-Christian culture. You cannot make assumptions about people anymore that they... That they go to church, or that they pray, or that they read their Bible, or that they believe um, in any sort of truth, capital T, right? We live in a post-Christian culture. A culture where people are struggling with belief. a a A culture where people have been hurt by the church. Uh, A a culture where people are far from God, some who don't think they need God, some who think they have just kind of God maybe wound it up and then let it go and then see what happens. Some that say there is no God. And and in some ways that's disheartening and in some ways that's amazing because we live in a time where, uh, man, there's not just one lost sheep. There's a lot of lost sheep and Jesus' heart is on fire for them. And he's willing to leave all 99 of us to go find the sinner or the tax collector. But the second type of lost person in this story is the Pharisee. See, they don't even know it. These are the hard ones. These are the really, really hard ones. These are the ones that think I'm good to go. I follow the rules. I'm a good church person. Um, Me and Jesus, we got like this special deal. Like I'm good and then he blesses me. Like I'm a special kid. When we sing good, good father, that's about me, right? Like, um, and that's what the Pharisees thought. They thought, I I keep all the rules. I'm a good person. I do the right thing. I've earned my own way. There's no way I could stand in front of Jesus and he wouldn't accept me because I've done it all right. Right? I've earned my own way. And we've covered this over and over and over and over again, which is for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the gift of Jesus. The gift of Jesus is salvation. See, everybody's kind of lost in this story. The sinners, the tax collectors, the Pharisees, They're both lost. And Jesus says, I'm going to go find them. I'm going to leave the 99. I'm going to go off into whatever place they are, off into the desolate place. No matter how risky, no matter how dangerous, I'm going to go find them. I'm going to go chase them down. I'm going to go put them on my shoulders. I'm going to carry them home. And then when we get home, we're throwing the best party in town. Heaven itself is going to hear us. And heaven itself is going to sound back to us and tell us how great it is. This is the story of salvation. This is the good news. The, the sheep doesn't even carry himself back to the flock. The sheep just sits there and gets to ride on the shoulders of the good shepherd. See, Jesus has this endless pursuit of us. He's always pursuing us. Um, and and this is church language, so I'll unpack some of it. Sometimes we talk about when people um, accept Jesus or give their life to Jesus. Maybe you've heard that kind of language, right? They've like said a prayer. They've gotten dunked in water and they twitched a little bit. And then the pastor let them up, right? Like, um, uh, sorry, that was, that was an inappropriate joke, but funny. Um <laughs> I like the word surrendered. And here's why I like the word surrendered, right? Like I wish Travis Earl was here today. He usually sits in the back corner. I feel very secure when he's here. Um, Travis Earl is one of our deputies. Um, and God forbid uh, someday that Travis would want to pull me over and I would want to run from Travis, right? Um, but you've seen this on like cops, right? Or if you lived in California at any time, like they, they hover the uh, helicopters and follow the chases, and what happens all the time at the end of those? The, the person gets caught. That's, that's what happens. Spoiler alert, right? Like, you watch it and watch it. I lived in California for a little while. And they would, they would break into these stories of chase stories in, in the middle of the day. And they would go on for hours and hours and hours following these cars. And we, we always knew the ending. The cops were going to get them, right? And this is the language that I like. This endless pursuit of Jesus. In fact, we were talking about this this morning with the worship team. Uh, um we were talking about how there are specific people who we feel like God is just pursuing right now in our lives, that he's just chasing them down. And no matter how fast they run, no matter how far they go, they're not going to outrun God. And see the, the sheep just gets to surrender to the shepherd The shepherd will go to any length for the sheep. The shepherd doesn't care how big the risk. The shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. And the sheep will be found. And both of these people, the sinners, the tax collectors, and the Pharisees, they have something in common uh, that happens the second they're found. And this is the key feature of those who are truly found here. It is the word repentance. Verse 7, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So this is key in our post-Christian culture, because we're looked upon as uh, judgmental hypocrites. And we are, (laughs) right? We're just, we're hypocritical. We are. And and we don't have everything together. Um, But here's what we are. We are repentant. We are repentant. And and that is hard in a world filled with arrogance and pride to say I'm sorry, to say I'm wrong, to say it's my fault, to say I messed up and that I need somebody to save me, that I can't save myself. It's hard in a world filled with arrogance and pride. This is the same as last week. You will never be able to forgive if you can't get past yourself. We talked about this last week. You will never be able to forgive if you can't get past yourself. And you will never be able to repent if you cannot get past yourself. If you cannot humbly acknowledge that you don't have it all figured out. That as an old church song says, you are prone to wander. That you need someone to save you. That you are sorry. That you're simply sorry. um, Not so that guilt is heaped upon you, but so that you can know the power of being forgiven, set free, washed clean. Receive a new life, a new start. And it doesn't matter if it's a religious person or the dirt bag. The key response here is repentance. Someone who needs... And some of us, I would say, need to repent of, of arrogant religiousness. That deep down we feel like we deserve God's favor. We've got a special side deal with Jesus that nobody knows about. Right? Right? That we're his special kid and, and we need to repent of that. The Pharisees in the room, I would, I would probably categorize myself as more of a Pharisee than like the sinner dirtbag kind of, like I do work for the church. So I, if in this story, I probably fall into the Pharisee category more often. And I need to be repentant every single day for my arrogance, for my pride, thinking that Jesus has a special seat on the bus for Brian. And in the same way, some of us need to repent for our arrogant rebellion. I know better. I'm smarter. I don't need God. In fact, I don't even believe that he exists. The key here is repentance, not perfection, repentance, not perfection. Some of us have come to church and think, we think, okay, I go to church now. Now you need to get it all together. No, 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 you just You're going to be a mess the rest of your life. Welcome to church. Awesome, right? You're going to be a mess the rest of your life. But you're going to be re- repentant of it. You're going you're to be sorry for it. You're going to recognize that you can't save yourself and that you need saving. So one key lesson, and then we'll finish, is this. Um, because we have been carried by Jesus. I don't want to make an assumption here this morning. Um, there are those of us probably in the room who have yet to be carried and, and I would urge you this morning to, to just con- consider the idea that Jesus is chasing you down and that you need to be carried home. Uh, that Jesus has got one lifelong pursuit, and that is you. And he's not going to give up until he gets you, puts you on his shoulders, and brings you home. And because we have been carried by Jesus... For those of us who have been carried by Jesus, for those of us who ha- heaven itself celebrated the day we were found. Think about that. Heaven itself celebrated the day we were found. Because we have been carried by Jesus, we carry a longing for the lost to be found. Our hearts should join Jesus in the search for the lost. That we would, we would anticipate rejoicing when one repentant person comes home, that we'd throw a big party, that we wouldn't be satisfied until every single lost sheep has been found and brought home. And so for those of us who have been carried home by Jesus, I want to ask one specific thing, and then I'll have the worship team lead us in one uh, final song. They can come on up. And that is uh, the one that, that one name. Your last point in your outline. That one name. So, um, a couple weeks ago, We did a series on fishers of men, and um, we ended that series by writing down a name. Some of you were here, some of you weren't, but we wrote down a name of an individual or a family, somebody that we just felt like, man, I'm not doing this in a judgmental way, but like I feel like they're far from God. I feel like they don't want to have anything to do with God. I feel like God is chasing them down, and they maybe don't even see it coming. And I want you to, um, this morning, if you were here that week, rewrite that name. And if you weren't, I want you to think of a name. I want you to think of a name of a family or an individual, somebody that lives here in Big Sky, somebody that doesn't live here in Big Sky, somebody that your heart loves and cares for and and, and wants to see a new life spring in them. Maybe it's somebody that's going through a really, really difficult time and they're in this really searching moment. Maybe it's somebody who's really hardened to God and maybe it's an enemy. Maybe somebody you really don't like, you really don't want to forgive, you really don't want to love, and Jesus maybe is calling you to love that person. See, Jesus will leave the 99 for the 1, and so um, I want you to think about somebody who has yet to be carried by Jesus. And then I want us to pray. Heavenly Father, we lift these people to you. And and to be honest, Jesus, we don't even have the the power or the strength to actually lift them to you. We we need you to lift them. God, there are people in our minds, and our hearts right now, some um, that we love so deeply, and we just want them to know what it feels like to be carried by you. We just want them to know what it what it feels like to experience you and to know you and to trust you, to put their faith in you, to be renewed. God, um, some of these people we're putting before you, they are going through really hard seasons of life, and we ask that in this hard season of life that they'd be drawn to Questions and maybe even answers and maybe even prayers as simple as help me, Jesus. God, we also pray for those who maybe we don't even want to say their name. Maybe we don't even want to write down their name because we feel like they're way too far from God that they cannot be saved. And, and yet, God, would you remind us that your arm is not too short, that your ear is not too deaf to hear. Would you pick up these sheep of yours and would you please bring them home? Please, please, please bring them home so that we may rejoice with all of heaven. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand and sing this last song.